Hello, welcome back to Republic City Dispatch. We've been gone for a little while. Uh, obviously, Legend of Korra not on the air at the moment. Ooh, and ooh, but they have uh, <laughs> begun recording season two. I know they've released pictures oh, from uh, recording commentaries. It's real. It's a real tease. So while we wait patiently for the season one DVD to come out, uh, we thought, and we being I am Matt Patches, uh, we have Devinder Hardwar. Hello, and uh, Dave Gonzalez. That's with Dave with a seven. That is correct. <laughs> Still with a seven. Hasn't gone up. And um, we thought a, a fun way to keep the love going, or the love, that's in quotes, uh, going here, would be to record a commentary for M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender, the, uh, the, the taste of the airbender world we got right before Korra, um, that I think we all have some pretty strong opinions about. You know, on the show, we talk a lot about episodic television, animation, um, directing animation, that sort of thing. Here, we get to talk about something totally different, uh, a feature-length film, and, and M. Night's attempt to translate uh, the wonderful Avatar The Last Airbender TV series into a movie. So we are going to, uh, you should get your version of the Last Airbender, whether you own it on Blu-ray, uh, Godspeed, <laughs> God help you, uh, or Netflix if it's back on. Like a negative loser prize. <laughs> That's true. Um, or you know, rent it on iTunes or something because we're all going to jump in, and the three of us are watching this movie right now, talking about all the different aspects of it. The sink point is the first frames of the Paramount logo. Yes. You should see like you three see stars. stars on the left side of your screen, about to swoop in. I think we're about the three second mark to start mm -hmm. so yeah. uh i'll count us down here and we'll hit play three yeah. two one play oh they were water stars i'm sorry <laughs> i already screwed it up you know what i'm really looking forward to here is that i'm not going to pronounce any of the names wrong you know this actual opening got gave me a little chill I'm not going to lie. I love variant logos in movies. I'm a total oh, nerd for that did stuff. Did Indiana Jones sway you too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Nickelodeon's logo on fire. They're, they're oh. giving me everything I want. Um, Does anybody know what the first movie from Nickelodeon Studios was? Harriet the Spy. That is correct. I, I saw that yeah. wow. the day it opened. It I am great. a nerd. Um, very quickly, guys, as we jump into this, where were you coming from seeing this movie? I remember seeing the trailers and being extremely excited for The Last okay. Airbender. I was, uh, you know what, like, I was the lone person on the Slash Filmcast really ramping, like, talking about this movie in an excited way, because I was the only one that saw Airbender at that point, and I'm a big Shyamalan apologist, so, yeah. I was excited going into it, and it totally broke my heart. Oh, my God. Uh, I think I was just beginning to watch uh, the series for the first time, because uh, the, you know, one and two were semi-available in a home video format, and I think, I don't want to quote myself on this, since we're watching the movie... I think it was around the time the first trailer came out that I was like, I should pay more attention to this side story of Those were good trailers. Like, they yeah. were amazing trailers. The first wait, 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 was wait. not in the movie. Plot. Oh. This is perhaps the this is how we should have known this movie was going to be terrible. Scrolling text, her reading exactly what we're seeing on scene or on screen. This reminds me of um UA Bowles Alone in the Dark film. <laughs> which it, just threw in it can work. Star Star Wars, I mean... But there's works. no one reading it. You read it. The well, narration is bad. The narration this, is terrible. This well, is the beginning of the why do it this way questions when the yeah. series does it so much better. It's like if you're not going to go out and make it cinematic by starting with like a cold open scene, if you're going to start close to how the series starts, why not just do exactly yes. that? Well, I think 
one of my major issues with this movie, and we'll get into it over time, is that oh look, book one, water. Why is what it a even joke? Split up into <laughs> because they wanted it to be a franchise, and that's the biggest problem. But I, I think over the entire movie, you'll see that Shyamalan wanted to stick exactly to the show because yeah. he was scared of fans, which Except is why the opening Matt. is exactly the same. But then he want to change everything that he didn't, quote-unquote, like about it, um, what he didn't think works. And he talks a lot in interviews about um, Brian and Mike being in an infant stage when they first started conceiving the show, which I always think is a very strange thing to say, it, that they yeah, were so, skewing uh, young or something. Um, so he, you know, he, one, <laughs> one good thing, I, I would say, like with that little water effect there, the special effects in this movie are pretty great. Like that's, I think they industrial light and magic, right? Yeah, they yeah. they yeah. look great. They look real in this world. One of the few things I really enjoyed from this film. They were flattened in the 3D though in the original oh, theatrical yeah. release, and the yeah. the effects did not blend in well enough. Well, to that was the, the awkward time. I mean, Airbender ended up riding the heels of Avatar. I think, and that moment when everything needed to be post-converted as quickly as possible, and it was just a bad idea. This is on par with Clash of the Titans blinding me in the theater kind <laughs> Here, of thing. Here's more narration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish there was, I mean, if there was a drinking game, one of the things would definitely be uh, telling, not showing, and we'd all <laughs> die within the first nine minutes of this movie. Well, one of How the biggest problems is... do this in silence, or like just with them talking? Wouldn't have been that hard to convey. Or but, just do it instead of the scrolling text. Yeah. Well, instead of just jumping into the action and pretending like this world is lived in at all, it, it, the, the movie feels very episodic because it's trying to pull all the events of the first season. And Where's by doing scene? that, you need to yeah. rush, 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 and just kind of put it all out there with uh, voiceover. It looks like we were on a soundstage for like... Yeah, seconds. there it is again. This is yeah. how not to let a green screen. <laughs> look like, at, let's have a whole bunch of feathered fur. Yeah, look stuff at his hair. Look at the, the coat hair. <laughs> um, uh, which is disappointing because I think they actually did go to Iceland and shoot yeah, uh, a good yeah. deal of this movie. Well, it was mostly shuffling old Inuit looking people around and pretending they were somehow pooping out little white kids. Yeah. That is really sad. <laughs> Boomerang. Boomerang. Mostly used to, to hit things like a hammer. Now, you know, when I saw this movie, I obviously, as a fan, want... I want this moment. I want all of this. Every, uh -huh. The whole introduction, the origin story. But it still feels like we're rushing, which is interesting to me, about how you would pace this adaptation better. Um, do you remove more from book one and try and strip it down and just make it about... I mean, should they get to the Northern Water Tribe faster so that this moment can be lived in more? Or do you... Because we don't really know Katara or Sokka. It's a really short Sokka. movie. Like, I it's, am, a, it's I mean, what, a little more than 90 minutes long? Yeah. If this movie yeah. were, like, two hours long, honestly, and if they had more time for this stuff to breathe, I think it would have worked out better. Well, I guess two things to that. They, there was a movie adaptation novel that got released before the movie, and it had a whole uh -huh. bunch of stuff. That, Katara, don't hit that sphere! So. <laughs> oh! <laughs> That's one of the greatest things. Just a normal thing you say to your sister any any given day. Anyway, um, the difference from the novel and adaptation, M. Night occasionally blamed on the sudden need to make it 3D, that he just was unable to bring some of that stuff Uncle, to the screen. Look. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got a little bit of back of Zuko's head. Um, and then I forget where I was going with that, because I'm now enthralled Sorry. with what I'm watching. I forgot uh, Dev Patel was in this movie. And, oh, man. He's what actually did, really good in the movie, I think. He's a lot of fun, but I'm sure he's regretting every minute. Really? Oh, not at all. That It didn't impact him. 
he was I, if he's the one that's on, the only one that's like giving a performance. Yes, in this movie. I <laughs> totally agree. Uh, I think most of the casting is actually pretty spot on, except for Sokka, Jack uh, Jackson Rathbone as Sokka. I think he's, he's really miscast. Oh, you like Texas Taekwondo champion Noah Ringer? You know what? <laughs> I kind of do. Uh, there aren't many other kids that I think could pull it off. Uh, he doesn't really. What? Love martial arts, right? But <laughs> then we don't even get to see much of that in the movie. That's true. Most of it's close-ups on him and his terrible eye lines. Yeah, I'm glad you said this early on, Patches, because now I'm going to hold every reaction shot. <laughs> you should. I will, I will explain why he's doing a decent job. You know, I, re- I also remember M. Night being really proud of casting Noah Ringer oh, yeah. in this movie yeah. because so it's like, I found uh, for the Sixth Sense... Oh, God, what's his name? I can't even remember. Oh, oh, oh the I remember Sixth I was Billy Joel Osment? This, yeah, Haley Joel Osment. He was Haley really Joel proud Osmond. of casting him. Yeah. Um, in this, in this movie, always struck me as something that like, why wouldn't you start it with some sort of cold open and like introduce people to the world through action and you know conflict and show them this war that we're supposed to be afraid of the entire film. And so it's amazing yeah. to me that they start off almost exactly where the series does, but like extend these parts we don't care about and condense much cooler parts later on. By the way, let's talk about that crazy jump cut. Like, yeah. go from discovering him to, oh, yeah, he's Everything's here. better. I, I accidentally went underwater <laughs> once. And they discover Appa floats later, so I don't know how they got him back to the camp, because he's huge. It's just such a strange cut, because isn't there's just a ton of drama there. Like, finding this kid, is he still alive? Seeing yeah. him come back to life? How do you miss all a that? A kid frozen underwater, not phasing them whatsoever here. <laughs> yep. um, and if you recall the show, I mean, there was a whole thing. Like, they were, yeah. who is this kid? We're afraid of him. What is he up to? You know, genuine eh. emotion. Yeah. Yeah. The adults were brought into the situation much quicker. Yeah. I wonder how much of The Last Airbender is kind of left on the cutting room floor. Because there, there must be stuff in between. I think the whole movie feels like um, oh, yeah. th- those... And, and next time on The Last Airbender or something, and then they show part of a scene, and then it just jumps to something else. It's, it's always cutting to some random event. We may not have much time to talk about the race bending, but in these crowd scenes, boy, do, uh, do the kids really stand out in comparison <laughs> to the rest of the... Supposed well, and Grand Grand. She's not really oh, yeah. uh, Inuit yeah. either. Yeah, so I guess that those genetics made sense. <laughs> I mean, Don't what the boomerang? I think I think M Knight's explanation for the race spending that goes on in this movie was that he wanted to be eclectic. That was his response yeah. to and and he you know I think even says that oh you have Dev Patel who's Indian uh, firebender, but that doesn't mean he's bad because we're also going to get dark skinned Italians to play. Uh, the firebenders, and we're going to get you know African people and Mexican people to play earthbenders, and it's going to be all sorts of different. We're colliding yeah. them all, and they can all live as one. But, but really, it, you're just, right. It stands out here. Let me just say, bring me all your elderly. <laughs> he is having fun in this role. I just feel bad for him. But what else is he going to do? I mean, let's be honest. Hollywood does yeah. have a problem with minorities, especially if you're going to put them in big franchise roles. Yeah. And coming off of um, Slumdog Millionaire, it, this movie was looking perfect. I mm-hmm. mean, this is the perfect role for him. Yeah, I mean, it had the potential to be like ethnic Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's what everybody was going for, I think. Well, it's interesting because I, I went to a licensing convention um, right when this movie was announced. And, uh, you know, this is a convention where 
Nickelodeon will come and they want every toy maker to buy the rights to Last Airbender, uh, like uh-huh. three years, two years in advance, um, because this is going to be the next big Lord of the Rings movie. And M. Night steps out onto stage and he has this reel that he's cut, this sizzle reel. It's clips from Lord of the Rings, clips from Crouching Tiger, clips from The Matrix, clips from everything. <laughs> like, and, it's, and it looks like the Airbender because your brain's just putting it together and filling in the gaps. And we were, everyone went nuts. And you of could course. tell that Paramount and Nickelodeon were just putting everything into this. And you can, I, I think in the movie, I still see that mishmash of ideas. Oh, yeah. But that means he had no like vision. This. <laughs> like this part right here. It's like, yeah, we'll just throw some fire around because nobody's Stay done down. that in, in 10 minutes. Stay down. Don't forget, we have powers. You know, the size difference of Noah Ringer between Dev Patel looks kind of ludicrous. <laughs> Especially oh, when he's man. in his Jawa outfit. Yeah. Oh my god, all the dialogue in this movie is just, this is what I'm thinking right now. So this is why I'm a little more excited about um, After Earth, is that it wasn't written by Shyamalan. That's true. He's finally deviating from his own own word. By the way, After Earth, M. Night Shyamalan's next film starring Will Smith and Jaden Smith. (laughs) Plug it And having those two actors together means there'll probably be some, you know, Smith family levity in there too, which Uh, this movie... Yeah, let them improv their truth. I think when I reviewed this movie, I, this was him. Uh, this was Shyamalan going full on George Lucas. I thought like this was his episode one in a way. Um, but wasn't but this supposed to be him going full on like Spielberg? Exactly, because you have or Frank Marshall, you have Kathleen Kennedy producing this movie. All these Spielberg producers right. coming in, being like, yeah. "We're bestowing our grace upon M Night Shyamalan, and we are heralding him. He is the next blockbuster filmmaker." Yeah, but you know what? With him working on somebody oh, else's script, I think that's probably a good sign. I love these ship designs; still, all look so good. I mean, it looks like the the animated stuff. It does, it does, but it looks even better. I I feel like rendered into something real. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Sean Taub, who so plays good. Uncle so, Iroh. Yeah, he's a good. That's a good casting choice. And again, yeah. like I, I think M Night has an eye for who's right for this movie. I don't know if there, and like you said, Dave, I don't know if there's anyone who is right for Aang. <laughs> I don't know if that person exists because M. Night didn't want him to play a kid in this movie. He wanted him to play this really super serious character that makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, but I mean that... You can't be natural in that role. Mm-hmm. Well, saying that dialogue, doing what he wants. Sean Taub, love him so much in this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that Iroh is a good example of a guy who's playing a character. It's just not the character we're used to, and that, you know, <laughs> is something that you fall into over the series. I don't know what Ong is in comparison to Aang, because he's... <laughs> <laughs> I like that you can separate them, Ong yeah, yeah. and Aang. He doesn't, he doesn't have any, like, natural... He doesn't have... He isn't given any opportunity to naturally react to anything, because yeah. all of his reactions are stuff that comes directly out of the series usually because we spend a whole episode you know tracking his frame of mind yeah there's no penguin sledding here there's none of that childlike mentality that can easily flip to something serious right what m night was reading as as childish writing from the beginning of the show is ang being a normal child (laughs) and that and to strip it away makes no sense oh grand grand what is the spirit world grandma well, let me tell you a whole bunch of non-canonical things that Legend of Korra Book 2 is going to blow out of the water. <laughs> I don't think uh, Do you remember Katara's grandma is old enough. Do you remember Minichlorians? 
There are things that exist but sort of don't, but some do, and you can't touch them, but some you can because one will get punched to death in an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, the spirit world in this film is basically like, well, anything can happen. So if for some reason you think there's a loophole or a plot hole, yeah, that's the spirit world. Spirit world. <laughs> they live hidden among us. You never know where they might pop out so that anything can happen. Yeah. Come on, Grand Grand. Be older. They're, they are the minorities. <laughs> I would cast, minority. if I had to cast Grand Grand today, I would go with Emmanuel Riva, Oscar nominee for Amour. <laughs> mm. <laughs> There's not enough pain here. By the way, I have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Grand Grand. Um, uh, Jackson again. You know, I, I wonder how much The Last Airbender would have gotten right if... Do you think M. Night wanted Jackson Rathbone? I think he... Or is that a like, Twilight pressure casting? I don't know. I don't... Like, I have no idea, but I think he's going for people that look very similar. And you look at Nicola Petz, Peltz and Jackson Rathbone side by side, they look like brother and sister. I see. But it. I feel like the actual value of them as actors was less of a consideration. He's more of an aesthetic person, I guess. I mean, it's mostly shown by them stripping all comedy out of the character. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, fire oh, bending. The flame bends. Oh. Literally bends. How much for did that him? cost, ILM? Just some guy off screen going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the intern's job. Yep. Intern this one was bending. Left over from Terminator 2. And then this, I don't know, magnets? I kind of like magnets. the sequence because it is dialogue free and it's just like, hey, look, look at these things sort of responding to him. Right. But that's it. One of yeah. the few showing and not telling moments. It's but they've already told us. Cause, oh wait, no, no, they didn't tell the Avatar. Yeah. That's why the scrolling. I love Dev yeah. Patel's expression here. He does a good growling. You know, <laughs> I have to be honest. Sometimes Zuko in the show for me was like too emo. Oh, and, he's totally whiny and too grumbly and too whiny. And I think Dev Patel finds a way to to make that happen but also seem a little more psycho a little more obsession driven and damaged and i i do really like him in this movie look at him he's psycho Close, <laughs> blink dude no one blinks in this movie really this is a warship oh wait action action oh huh oh oh i guess action what do you what do you I think say, about I the like action in this? I think the action looks great. Like the problem is this movie doesn't have enough of it, and when it does happen, uh, there's some later scenes where the camera's just far away from uh, what's going on. I, I love this little thing here. This is fun. Yes, sure. Matrix, sure. Yeah, but, I mean, wait, but it's look so at the obvious. Here. This is when you knew this movie was terrible. They showed this clip online before the movie came out. Wait, what? What am I looking at? Huh? Up and to the right. Oh, uh, Look at this tennis ball. Smile. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Down oh, and around. No, no. And here he's just holding a pole up that they're adding digitally stuff in later. So they're like, <laughs> keep the pole steady. Really? Oh, I guess you're right. Looking at it closer, it is CG. Yeah. I mean, this movie is definitely damaged by an abundance of C- CG. I think that M. Night really wanted Lord of the Rings here and having that fully that tangible world, that mm-hmm. tangible fantasy world. And that's why he hired the cinematographer of Lord of the Rings. And mm-hmm. I just don't think he got it. It was too crazy. It's too fluid. 
I think this much of the CG works though. Like Appa looks good. A lot of the special effects in the fight scenes look good. It's just the way it all. It's not actually leading to anything. It just looks good, and that's it. But I think yeah, it, I, mean, I think it looks muddy because it ends up being like I. F- I feel like they spent so much money on the air bending or the bending effects and maybe Appa that everything else had to be in these small stages. So it's like we're going to these small intimate areas throughout the movie. There's nothing grand, there's no big world. Well, you're just saying they didn't have New Zealand. Yeah. Essentially. Well, yeah. why couldn't Iceland have been their New Zealand? I don't really get that. He filmed half of this movie in Pennsylvania. And as a Philadelphian, I mean. I'm proud of that fact. They employed a lot of people, but... <laughs> more plot, more plot in voiceover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, such an adherence to the TV show, and, you know, that me. pains me because I'm a fan, but, like, you don't have to do all this stuff, or at least in this way. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> guys, come out. Oh, there's just the entire island worth of people is hiding to surprise yeah, me. Yeah, they're totally waiting for us. I wonder if Noah Ringo ringer really has fun in life he like he sounds strained to feel joy it's uh i mean it's kind of indicative of kids who spend a lot of time in martial arts so if he really is a martial arts champion that's, that's just he is kind of what do you mean yeah, if yeah. he is i mean like oh wait wait oh momo momo jackson rathbone like, uh, really tries to do the like crazy soccer eyes throughout this <laughs> film but i uh, i don't know <laughs> He's a cartoon you to, character. You have to give some props to the animators of Momo with working yeah. with those random hand gestures that they directed him to do on the day. <laughs> Just keep rotating back and forth across your shoulder. We'll put that. We'll fit yeah. him in there somehow. Ong, do a worried face. Now that's a tu- that's a nice touch. Jump running downstairs and doing like a little jump thing with air bending. Let's do a little wire. There's work. not enough of that in this movie. Like. Yeah. That that feels lived in to me. And here's where the movie shows off its tone problems. Oh, boy. Because how, how was this approached in the show? I mean, he went in and there was just no one there. No, it was very similar, but he found he found the remains. But by that point, you knew who Ang was. So when this free-loving kid is forced to deal with his entire people <laughs> being dead... Yeah. Right. This is 20 him. minutes into the movie. We have yeah. no idea who Ang is. And he also felt some responsibility for it in the show, right? Because he kind of, he feels like he ran away and he let them... Uh, well, I think in the show it's like life. the pivot point between we found this avatar and we're going to help him and seriously, you need to stop this war because it's killing yeah. Yeah. lots right. of people. Wait, but he really com- found bones and stuff? Yeah, yeah, he found bones. Wow, I don't remember yeah. that very well. How'd they get away with that? Oh, I guess a build-up. That would be good. Yeah, I mean, it was like episode six, so it wasn't people knew. or No, it wasn't that far. In it. I should not talk if I don't know. Oh, <laughs> screaming! This is so serious. I know, and it's supposed to be frightening, but it's, it's not. I think there's a way to do this where Aang still feels pain and goes into the Avatar state for the first time without doing, like, the scream overacting thing. I feel like silence would have been better. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. But I guess this is an epic, so you gotta go big, big, big. Yeah. Wait, wait, spirit world. Because everything's shiny. (laughs) Oh my god. Your friends were monks? No, I dig this. I, I, I dig the look. I don't know how you would do this differently or better. The lens and, flare, the JJ. This is everything. 
This is where the Cave of Solitude is. Yeah, right? He, he needs to put the crystals in and see Jor-El. Yep. Um, Brando comes out. One of my biggest annoyances from this film is the dragon. <laughs> is is by having... Um, oh, God, I can't remember the dragon's name. But having Roku be just a dragon. Why? I guess it's cooler to have talking dragons. Well, because we didn't start off with an explanation of what the Avatar is, so we're already right. screwed. This makes no sense to anyone who hasn't seen the show. <laughs> and I think that the movie suffers from that. Like, fill in the blanks with your knowledge. But yeah, that doesn't... That doesn't fly for me like as someone who can fans. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason, like, Lord of the Rings works is because at its base, it's get the to the mountain. You know, everything yeah. else is just sort of flavor on top of that. Well, also, this they base what... I, I mean, this this is base idea. It also has that conflict, but, yeah. you know, like, the conflict isn't cool unless you have the history to it, and they yeah. utterly fail to deliver that history. Well, they knew what to cut out of Lord of the Rings and how to streamline that into, into like, a, a really dramatic film. Like making it work as a movie. Oh, oh boy! Now Dave the does a really prince. good impression of Asif Manvi. <laughs> there is our disgraced prince. <laughs> Let us offer him some lunch, <laughs> so I could describe to everybody how he is disgraced. Look, we are having lunch now. To be honest, I I don't know if Asif Manvi might be the wrong casting for this part. <laughs> oh yes, but oh. I am. I was glad to see him. You know, I was glad to see him in this movie because he normally just has to play doctors in, in you know, sure. the eighth build doctor. Or if you're premium rush, he's running yeah. the delivery company. Most Indian actors end up being doctors or some sort of like stereotype. So it was fun seeing him being something a little different. But I guess that's why I didn't mind, you know, when the race bending thing really heated up. I was yeah. kind of like, shouldn't we be happy that all these Indian actors should. I feel like Shyamalan felt play. proud of being able to do this. But at the same time... They are all the bad guys. And at the end of the movie, you have all the brown people fighting everybody else. So it's like, it, it doesn't look very good. That guy's not brown. He's, he's Italian. That's, that was Joey Fatone, I think. <laughs> They're all kind of olive-skinned, I don't know. All the problems solved by the word orcs just, got, just come crop right back up when you try to actually match races to things. That's true. That's very true. Devinger, let me ask you something. You were talking about the design of the um, Fire Nation ships and sure. some, something that you really responded to and enjoyed. Um, do you feel the same way about the costuming? Wait, wait, wait. Do they have no, chopsticks no. for soup? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just check. Noodle soup. Maybe maybe they have like the little the little spoon too. All right, maybe. Um, I like the, I like a lot of the design. The costuming, it's, I, it's very different than what I was expecting. But you know, it's hard to nitpick on that when the movie has seriously bigger problems. I I well. For me, that that detaches me from the reality of the movie. And I think yeah. that costuming is something we don't think a lot when we get lost yeah. in movies. But for me, a lot of these costumes look like um, yeah. Halloween costumes. But even By though way, I know that they would, if you go back and read interviews with a costume designer or something like yeah. that, it, it would be like, well, we got these threads from Paris and we made these amazing yeah. costumes. Let, and let's talk about that action scene. Like, let's just shoot it entirely <laughs> close up. Let's not even see how his feet are moving or anything. That That's Shyamalan right. saying, I love actors. Yeah, that's hide, the, hide the fire bending behind Iroh. I, I kind of yeah. like that, though. I like it when action is kind of in the background and still important. So in, mm. that, in that particular scene, it worked for me, but... I mean, but has this movie earned its, like, right to put any of its sparse special effects in the background? (laughs) He's definitely trying to ramp up drama more than anything. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, when we were talking about Lord of the Rings, I was going to say uh, The Hobbit is a good example of how, like, pulling in everything mm. to make, like, a movie and not actually catering it to film, to being a good film experience, can make it worse. So this is more like The Hobbit for me. I mean, I can see the tonal inconsistencies, definitely. Like, but, oh, well, he didn't get his hood all the way up in that take, but <laughs> and we'll use it. They wouldn't want to recognize those tattoos. <laughs> I feel like people went crazy when they saw arrested. those. Uh, people went crazy when they saw those tattoos. Why the first time. Why would you say time. that child is being arrested? Just because <laughs> he was I'm bending tiny stones at us, throwing rocks at cops. Oh my gosh, I, f- I feel M Knight's hand in every line reading from. But he is taking anybody away from the kids. Oh, yep! Here comes some water bending, maybe. Uh-huh. No. I do like the water effects because water is hard. <laughs> that's a good. That's a yes. joke. That's yeah. a that's a comedy that lands. That yeah. should have been in the whole movie. But yeah, it's like what half an hour into the movie and it's your first bit of comedy. Yeah, just feels weird. <laughs> Who is Sokka? The, I you know I would Soka. be Sokka. No, oh, I'm so sorry. Lemur bat whimpering. Is I'm the not used to pronouncing. Right I'm not used to pronouncing the M. Knight versions of that the names. That is one thing I really want. So I got to chat with him a bit after the movie, and I really want to know why he did that change. I know it's supposed to be more accurate ethnically, but it is a big problem when you're comparing it to the to the animated show. So what was his explanation, I mean? I mean, his in other interviews, his explanation was, this is what these names are supposed to sound like. But after a point, you know, it's such an ingrained uh, narrative already. Like, people know these characters. Why would you change that? Because so wait, wait, wait. His argument is they're supposed to sound like that. Yeah. But yeah. his argument for the races is also just like, why are you guys being so, <laughs> so, so exact about what these things pretty are supposed much, to be? Pretty much. Like um, the name uh, Ang in the show, def- if, if that were for somebody who has that name, it's, it would probably be more pronounced like Ang. Or in something. this world is what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah, commit, yeah. commit to your world building. If right. you're going to... If you're going to do whatever you want, then do whatever you want. <laughs> Why are you acting this way? Well, are there movies similar to The Last Airbender that you feel successfully world-bend? Like, world <laughs> Wait, world-build? Oh, my God. Um, Dave, I know that you're big on world-building, and, and, and I'm kind of curious if you've seen other movies on this scale that have done it. I mean, right. if he brought up Crouching Tiger, I think Crouching Tiger is a great example hmm. of how you build a world dramatically, and then, oh, these people can also walk on trees. Sure, by the end of that movie, you believe it. Right. Yeah. I mean, when that first happens in that movie, you're ready to believe it. Yeah. I think, I'm, I mean, I think martial arts movies is a good place to pull from in any of, like, the cheesier B martial arts movies. Which where, I don't you know, think M. Night has a background in at all. Right. Wait, but, guys, I ran away, but I'm back now. Wait, what <laughs> Katara is about to do is one of the silliest things in this entire movie. It makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> is she coming? Oh, get away. Oh, oh. Why would she do that? It's like, you know, all those young Jews that just push the Nazis. Wow. I do kind of love this. <laughs> that's, that's the deep metaphor there. Because <laughs> when you have Noah Ringer actually moving and not talking, it's great. Do you like that hand motion stuff? The hand motion stuff, but also there are some great long, really long takes here. And I think this is one of them coming up. Well, I think you and I will differ in this then because I hate this scene um, because it's uh, so slow. 
It is slow. It is probably too slow. He loves he loves showing the the elements move through the air, yeah. and he's very gratuitous about that. And yeah. I think it takes away from what I love about the action in the show, which is very fluid and very like, well, quick. They're, they're still introducing into the movie, but I'm pretty sure this is going to be a really long shot soon. And I, mean, I this... do sort of love it when action movies try for that. Yeah, digitally put together. Like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, we're still going. My problem with the, these scenes, particularly, is that the firebenders are just like really undisciplined in their form. <laughs> <laughs> They're not very good. But you know what? The music is ramping up. And Sokka I just kicked that like... guy in the balls. <laughs> yeah, and hit him with like the boomerang. James Howard's uh, score, Matt. But I, I kind of do love it. Like especially this particular theme. There we go. The boomerang was finally yep. used yep. like a boomerang. What? Wait. Why? Okay. Let's talk about James Newton Howard's score here for a minute because wait, I, wait, wait. You, well, let's you wait till the shot is done. All right. Yeah, all right. Don't waste the like one action scene. <laughs> on the score. You're riling up the score nerd here, Devendra. Oh, he just kicked some guy in the butt. Okay, we're good. Score. But it white. It, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just over because they transition to another part of the fight. Meanwhile, <laughs> the fight is going on. Look, you're free now. Oh, I guess that that ended. Yeah. So Where wait, two go? firebenders were taking down this entire Earth town i think it would have been a little more difficult than that yeah well they didn't have any self-respect they didn't realize the earth was under them or it's oh, sort of like Django unchained yeah it is like jank <laughs> actually it's funny that you mentioned Django unchained because Django unchained i think has the same editing issues oh yeah I, I, a- I, I as know. this film but I see that that's issues. an example of what i'm talking about where it's like if you have an experience of watching films that have had to sell you on really weird twists of powers or you know really odd prolonged revenge plots you're allowed to you know sort of homage those things and cut back and and like even if they had done this there's a couple like you know exploitation weird movie shots that are coming up uh they just don't flow for whatever reason cuz they're also trying to do Lord of the Rings. I don't think you could do those at the same time. <laughs> Avatar Kyoshi loved games. I do too. She, <laughs> she had some warriors that made it into the novelization, but not into the movie. They were they shot that scene apparently. Yeah. Well, apparently, like, yeah, they were saying they had that novelization, mm-hmm. and then the movie was shooting, and then they had to make it 3D, and then uh, yeah. like some people saw test test cuts where there was. A dagger instead of the fish punching, and uh, the Kyoshi warriors were in it, but that just never <laughs> made it to the final thing. Oy. This movie does seem like it probably went through some serious test screenings uh-huh. and here's, and got ripped apart. Here's uh, my holding patches accountable for liking Noah right here. Why can't the Avatar have a family? Let's with deal some- with all this conflict in one dialogue sequence. Everything yeah. is very important and scary. This is Tom Hooper, Les Mis, framing. <laughs> oh, exposition. I feel like they're all reading from a textbook in this oh, yeah. scene. How else are you going to get around? Why? We're going to get around on Appa. That's how we've been doing it for 30 minutes. <laughs> of course we're going to get around on Appa. Should we try it? Yes, we should. Now, do you think Everyone that M. Night... We have to have an impromptu parade for the Avatar. Oh, here are these sweeping shots. Here's This is what Lord of the Rings did. This is wannabe Lord Except of the Rings. Except this is a terrible montage. <laughs> hey, by the way, that score still ramping up. Sorry, sorry Matt. <sighs> I feel like it does work. This, this bit right here. 
taking care of business. But where is, like, where is James Newton Howard taking his cues from from this score? That's what it doesn't work for me. Like, great mm. scores find the essence of the film, which this one does not have one, so it must be exceptionally difficult well, for him. Well, I think him. Uh, maybe he was taking it from the energy of that great trailer, the trailer with Ang uh, <laughs> doing the candles. Like, that is where the first bit of the score we heard kind of built up. Hmm. And it, it is pretty cool. It's like, oh, you see this kid in a temple, and then these ships, and something big yeah, is going to happen. They're coming I think that was it. a Super Bowl commercial, yeah. maybe. That, yeah. that blew my mind. That was a great freaking trailer. But then they never came for him. But, <laughs> but James Newton Howard, like, what I love about the track team's music in the show is we're going to use different world music, and we're going to take the different ideas and the blending of different cultures that sure. is very inherent in the show and all the different people you meet in it. And, and I'm going to blend them in the music through instruments and, um, and orchestration. And here, James Newton Howard does not do that. I, I, I understand where his action stuff mm-hmm. works and like having those trumpets like dun, 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 like that makes that riles us up. But it really doesn't speak to what the film is about. I, I don't know. Like the original, even the original Avatar series score was, you know, it was fine, but I think um, the Legend of Korra just did it a lot better because they kind of knew exactly what they were doing. And there are also so many more influences for them to work with. This one's kind of tough to kind of, what, put in a ton of uh, cultural influence? This is probably this Pennsylvania, is this shop. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Pennsylvania. For those who have not been to rural Pennsylvania. Oh, wait, wait. As you know, I conducted a raid on the Great Library. <laughs> It is I found scrolls that say I need to punch a fish. He said the word library three times. In <laughs> That's good writing. Libraries may contain information. You know, casting Cliff Curtis as uh, Fire Lord Ozai, again, great choice. Yeah. And actually got me really excited. I'm like, I can't wait for the second and third movies. <laughs> but then you look at his sideburns and you're that like, will never really? come. Really? They will do never want, be here. Do you want to see more of those sideburns? Oh, him facing off against Noah Ringer? That would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> at that point the movies would have gotten dark enough that he just would have picked him up and just kept punching him in the face <laughs> I even like, it's like I wanted to show the brutality of what it would be like if an adult fought a child yeah. this last movie is rated R for some reason yeah I, th- I think Cliff Curtis is a pretty good actor I, he actor even made uh, live free or die hard enjoyable for me <laughs> I loved him in Sunshine. Like he is—he's such a great actor to watch, but he has nothing to do here. He grumbles. <laughs> I think this is. I Ossie suppose Monty's it's a race fault. then. <laughs> See, here's a CG shot that would have just been shot in New Zealand sure. if it was if it was The Hobbit. Sure. What movie does Asif Manvi think he's in? Like it's yeah, he's he's like mustache twirling in this movie in a way that. <laughs> Oh, rock candy. They eat rock candy in the northern Earth Kingdom, apparently. No, this is the Fire Nation oh. tribe number 15 oh, or whatever. I'm getting concerned. They're also all brown. Don't, don't, you know. Yeah. It's your designator of where you are. Let's not give the, you know, Fire Nation city names. That'd be far too easy. Why isn't Iroh drinking tea? That's true. I mean, like I said, it's a different character entirely, and we have to get used to that. <laughs> I don't think so. It's I think he does simple. a very good job of being the comforting, wise uh, overseer of, of Zuko. But he's not soft. He's the one that has more recently lost his battle, you know, his siege of Ba Sing Se, in my mind, than the cartoon Iroh. He, he's kind of soft. I mean, when he introduced himself to Ang, he was like, you know, you can do all these things, and it's an honor to meet you. Like, there's that sort of reverence there. He has a respect for the past. He has a respect yeah. for the the nature of bending. 
maybe I'm just reacting to him not being as fat as I want him to be. <laughs> fat and old and white haired. You know, I, I was going to say before, um, with some of this dialogue, especially the dialogue heavy parts of this movie, that do, do you think that M. Night Shyamalan is a good writer? I know you were happy oh, to no, see him get no, away no. from scripting After Earth, uh, or you will be when it finally I, comes out. He used, I think he really used to be a good writer. You see some of that in Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, but there was definitely a point where he was getting so big that he would stop listening to script notes. Hmm. And that's it. Once you stop listening to people giving you advice, you're just going to destroy yourself. And that's what he ended up doing. Yeah, there's some great... Uh, pieces that were done around the time Lady in Water was oh, about yeah. to come out. Yeah. If you guys want to Google that about how I've read all those. he was. I think I read that book about him, too. Yeah. Because he, he's an interesting guy. He's interesting to me because, you know, I was a teenager. I saw The Sixth Sense and I loved Unbreakable. And I was like, this is like an Indian dude living in America. It's like, you know what? Maybe Hollywood does have room for minority directors. So I've really tried to champion him, which is why it made me so sad that this movie was terrible. <laughs> And he's not untalented. He just needs oh, yeah, to no. get away from doing his own ideas. Like, I, I mean, the guy has a certain amount of vision. And if the, the Sixth Sense hit for a reason, yeah. I'm not going to throw all of his... Nobody nobody saw it, but it definitely was a good film, I think. Well, I, I think... I, first... I would defend uh, Signs as well. Like, I think Signs yeah. works. Up until the very last five minutes, it works. Yeah, and I, I still think that Unbreakable is one of the better super, like non-canon superhero movies we are I agree going with to you. get. I, th- I think what happened with Happening and, and Lady in the Water and then this movie um, was M. Night Shyamalan starting to make movies for other people mm. and finding expectations and seeing him as like the heir to the Spielberg throne. Or, or I have to deliver the twist. Or, yeah. you know, having these demands from people to keep up his own reputation and be an individual, be an auteur, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have his name at the front of a trailer from, I think that's how this movie was sold. From After the, Earth wasn't sold that way, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Nowhere in that trailer. Um, so maybe he's realized he has to kind of just stick to his guns and hide in the back because he can't be a personality yeah. anymore. Look at, by the way, Noah Ringer, what is, he's his pl- physique is insane. What, just that he's like, like all muscle? crazy yeah that is oh. kind of insane he just smiled then for the first time in the whole movie oh skulls oh oh uh, uh, he was see, he was almost doing it i don't think this cg looks very good this, this particular scene was bad i wonder I think yeah some of the other stuff has been better no those three tendrils are going to turn into tlc and it's going to cut right <laughs> oh waterfalls why are you quoting tlc <laughs> uh this is such stuffing in the beats from the show yeah. There's nothing organic about this. And, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about fandom and, like, oh, we want to see this and we want to see that. And that's definitely how I felt when going into this movie. Um, but then you see it so sloppily kind of just thrown in. And I even read quotes before we did this about Shyamalan, and we'll get to this, uh, yeah. talking about Blue Spirit. Lo- I love the Blue Spirit arc in the show. And I, I just threw it in. I just took the episode and I threw it in the script. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you did. That's the problem. Yeah. It's it's sort of the same thing with Hobbit, too. Like, after a point, I'm like, are you not entertained? This is everything you want. But look at what it has made. A terrible movie. Well, I mean, we'll see if there's maybe a good two-hour movie in the nine hours when it's done. But the difference between that and, like, this is I feel like fans, like Tolkien fans, will watch all nine hours and, like, thank him for it. Whereas here, even Airbender fans were like, "Please stop." Well, that's well, because we've a lot of money. It was very successful, right? So it the sequel could eventually happen after this movie. Point. Yeah, it did make money, probably overseas too. 
Yeah. Um, I, I should. I, I think should it was a commercial up. failure in the U.S., but it definitely made enough that it could do something at some point. Some sort of sequel. Uh, you know, I, I keep thinking too that you, you talk about Tolkien people kind of giving the pass on sloppily done Hobbit movies, but they've never seen that realized before. You just want to see it. Oh no, that's, they that's saw satisfaction. The, they, they saw the animated yeah. one. Oh come on, that does not count. This is not the. I mean, Wait, we are comparing right now a live action movie to an animated property. So be careful <laughs> where you're saying it's different. Well, I know. I yeah. Well, I mean, I feel the same way about it. Like. I feel like I got what I needed from the animated version of this because it started as animation, but if I read a book and saw kind of a 70s animated translation, it would have been fine. It could never be as grand as the book, but then you see it in live action, it's something different. Here, I feel the modern animation, we've seen the grandeur of Airbender before, and and this had to do something much different, and mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, it, it just couldn't. I, I mean, I, I don't think he was interested in doing anything different, which right. it might be its greatest sin. Has uh, Miyazaki ever commented on uh, the Avatar series? I'd be really interested to know what he thinks of it. I'm gonna have to I've just been that. going through some of the older movies. I'm trying to order the ones I haven't seen yet. Well, I always think about this, too. Like, if, you know, me, uh, Shyamalan references Miyazaki all yes. the time in the interviews yes. for this. Like, I want to make that live-action Miyazaki movie, and there's no, I mean, not even close, dude. Yeah. Because Miyazaki is definitely always about character and narrative. He his stories, even if they're sort of dreamlike, they serve a purpose. This one is just feels like you were going through a formula. Well, he Miyazaki uses play. the visuals to say what the characters are thinking. You mm-hmm. know, if 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 he's going through a dark time, he'll go through a dark forest and see these spirits looking around him. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, I'm thinking Princess Mononoke. Um, here, it's just like. There's no showing, and it goes back to what Dave was saying. You'll never be the live-action Miyazaki, which I think is possible to do. Oh, yeah. um, uh, Unless you really start painting with your visuals as opposed to kind of just throwing them all in there. Wow, that was terrible. Well, I mean, it's... (laughs) That that was a Zoom. That was a Zoom. That was him trying to do, like, the Kung Fu movie Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. That was really bad. Well, now we're back in Orosboros, Roku Dragon. Fang. I, I I, I'm now recalling that. the dragon's name, Fang. <laughs> Thank God I remember that. Without looking. But like all the all the symbolism of having Fang the dragon, who was the Avatar's spirit like guide, and dragons, you know, were the traditional firebending masters, all that's wasted here because we don't know any of that as film watchers. Right. <laughs> I set this trap for you. <laughs> know my name. Don't worry, I'm not going to kill you. I want to have Asif Manvi in this movie go against Shatner, because really, <laughs> there was so much great overacting. Um, you know, kind of riffing on what we were saying before, do you feel like mm-hmm. this movie is missing the stamp of Brian and Michael? Oh, definitely. And the thing is, like, uh, Shaman said that they had looked at the script and, you know, he probably let them take a look, but I'm not sure if he took any of their notes. And they really had no, they had no say in how this really went down. But do you it's, feel like they could have made a better live-action Airbender? Could anyone have made a better live-action like Airbender? maybe a director who was a little more collaborative and who didn't really want to control the entire... Uh, the entire production. Uh, you know, Shyamalan's a pretty renowned control freak. 
And uh, we were talking about Lord of the Rings. One of the great oh things my. that worked. Oh boy! One of the great things that worked well about the Lord of the Rings films is that it really was a collaboration between Peter Jackson and uh, and Fran and um, you know all the people working on that film. It's not just a singular visionary genius. Right. Yeah, but you know they had Fran and Philippa and mm-hmm. uh, Peter. Uh, Guillermo del Toro and everybody working on like the Hobbit to try to make you know these desperate yeah. elements into something that resembles a story. Yeah. Definitely least- telling that Guillermo del Toro ran the hell away from that production, <laughs> <laughs> and also that he doesn't want to do Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. Ninja yeah. time. Oh, this yeah. is maybe Action. the only part of this movie that I think is well shot. Sure. Which is surprising, considering who's involved in. in How do you screw film. up ninjas? Even Shyamalan can't screw up ninjas. Well, see, that's the thing: is like everything that isn't the story in this movie isn't that bad. But right. it, the way the script's written, most of it is story. <laughs> right. No, none of this matters. Like this does not have to happen in this movie. What is up with this wig, by the way? I don't know. I guess it does make him look different. <laughs> there was a good wig like that in. Uh, there was a wig like that in Dread this year that made everybody laugh when it came on. Screen. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't wait to rewatch that. They just did a second reveal it of these guys. That boy has bested me. <laughs> <laughs> our, our next podcast is actually going to be Dave redubbing all of Asif Mandi's <laughs> lines for you to play. <laughs> See, this looks great, and I get, oh, yeah. I think this is from. This is what they took that trailer from, right, Devinger? The one that you were talking about with the candles? Is that coming up here? Uh, no, or? that scene oh. is not in the movie at all. That's just shot for the trailer. Yeah. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah. But this is similar. Yeah. Similar lighting. Here's another big, long uh, long take for action. If you're not I do a- like oh. Shyamalan's love of long, long takes. I just wish it added up to more in this movie. I guess if we're going to say anything, it's admirable that he fails so completely. Yes, sure. He's like, I'm going to commit to this thing. And then, like, at some <laughs> point, I mean, actually, you know what? He, di- he didn't know it was going wrong. But at some point, somebody who he was working with was like, I'm watching this go horribly wrong. And he's committing to it. He, but, hey, look, honestly, guys, the doors. Yes. He had nothing like he totally loved this film. I think he thought he made a great film. And that's, well, that's the strangest thing. That's like, what that I wonder. So you, you think that, I mean, as you he watching so it. Happy. He was so happy, like me talking about it. He was so proud of it. And I know some of the publicists even were like, what are we doing here? We are just working on one of the worst movies of the year. I mean, it won the Razzie. Yeah. <laughs> it won the Razzie, uh, the 31st Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Picture of the Year, 2010. Yeah. Um, but you think that he has a vision here? Like, when you watch this movie, you see a guy who loves the oh, material yeah. and, and, and knows what he's doing at every moment? Definitely. But I mm. think he thinks he, he's the only one who knows what he's doing. And anybody else who questions his genius is an idiot. See, when you get deep into filming these sorts of movies and you're, like, on location for the third week and you're doing, like, four <laughs> setups a day, I could see how you get lost in that. But it's like yeah. when everybody else can put their trust in that original thing that brought them to the project, his, like, was inherently empty on the inside. <laughs> this so is not like every day. Every day, I'm sure he thought he was doing great stuff. And then it wasn't until, you know, he started putting yeah. it all back together. And it was like, oh, oh no. You ninja dude. Let's do this. I mean, but uh, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that because it, it almost reminds me of how people talk about Michael Cimino's Heaven's Gate, 
Oh, a, yeah. A film maybe yeah. not many people out there have, have seen, uh, but I think is now on, right? yeah, Criterion Collection has just put it out on Blu-ray. It's this Western from 1980 that is notorious I love this for... Uh, this, whole, this whole, like, little bit of choreography with the cameras twirling around them. Kick in the head. <laughs> and just in case it was getting too good, Asif Manvi. Yep, with incorrect logic. <laughs> He will just be born again. This time is perhaps a more powerful bender. You don't really like this wig and, and uh, the blue spirit mask? I'm down with that. If it has to be in the movie, it looks good. I'm okay with it. <laughs> it sticks with that sort of art of the thing they're trying to... Like that kabuki mask they're trying to replicate. <laughs> sure. And I'm sure it looks better fighting in slow motion than a more placid wig would. Placid wig, guys. They're on the Queensboro Bridge here. This is, uh... Yep. Uh, Question for you. In this movie, firebenders have to use real fire, and they have to manipulate existing flames. It doesn't just shoot out of their hands. Uh, Thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) I I feel Uh like people were up in arms over that change. Little things really pissed me off. I didn't really off. notice it, but maybe you're right. I mean, they're making firebenders work more like waterbenders now. Did he fundamentally misunderstand? Yeah. Well, I mean, in How everything. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just in the series it was done that they could replicate fire to give him like a balance. But here, I, I mean, yeah. first of all, it was one of those things where it's like, if you're going to change it, why change it? But since yeah. he did change it, it's not that big of a deal. It kind of makes it more consistent. Until, like, if they did future movies, it would probably become a bigger deal. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, there's no sort of hint of any sort of bending specialization here. And yeah. at some point, Ong completely misexplains how you get your airbender tattoos by being like, <laughs> you could meditate for four days. <laughs> no one's ever done one thing for four days in the history of the world, guys. I love how Asif Manvi doesn't know what fog is. <laughs> he looked What's really confused. Sense? How did this set in? Where did this come from? How did they get here? <laughs> you know, a big cut. Whatever. Yeah. The magic of big editing. Logical lip leap. Travel by map. Uh, I oh. feel like they could have done so much more to really build up um, why Zuko would do that. Hmm. But anyway, bigger well, that, problem. Well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it is great in the show. And yes, M. Night, you loved it. But just kind of forcefully throwing it into your script makes no sense well we yeah. talked about the score over the honor scene so that's mm-hmm. like sort of where it was coming from but more right. more through assemblage than through actual character development sure a traitor you say hmm if i don't show his face while he thinks it makes all the pauses awkward look how many things he wears that have the fire nation symbol on them <laughs> two of them in this close-up of his hand yes yes (laughs) this movie actually reminds me a lot of um, UA Bowles in the name of the king have you seen that film that is a direct rip off of Lord of the Rings I have not seen that but that's the one with Jason Statham right yes I would like to watch that I highly recommend it to show to to learn about why just like flying over interesting (laughs) locations is not enough to craft a fantasy film. Hey, again, The Hobbit. Ladies and gentlemen, you have reached the halfway point of this podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> I hope you're still there. Yeah. Love those braids. Oh, tea. They'll have tea together. We'll talk about it, but not actually do it. You know. Ah, <laughs> oh, so much of this movie doesn't need to exist. I know. I keep thinking that, too. <laughs> but, like, what would you rather... I mean, how how would they extend it? I feel like what we don't get enough of is um, is the main trio, is Katara and Sokka and Aang, like, becoming mm-hmm. a team and how important that is. And just, like, having a true ensemble that that is is the center of, of your big epic. I don't think M. Night really gets that, which is surprising because his early films were so character-driven. Like, why would why would you forsake that? It's more like, you know, when you're an up-and-coming uh, director, and I feel like you see this, too, with Peter Jackson, with the first Lord of the Rings movies, you have, you have to prove something. But when you're big enough, you're just like, whatever. I, I clearly know what I'm doing. Get out of my way. Ooh, Appa, the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Must be kind of cold. But, you know. <laughs> well, in comparison to being frozen for 100 years. <laughs> but that was magic frozen. By the way, the last Airbender made a hundred and thirty-one point seven million dollars at uh, the American box office. Okay, oh, domestic two hundred million, right? Yeah, and then uh, and then about a hundred and eighty-seven, hundred eighty-eight million around the world. Yeah. Oh, now Asif Manvi will tell us what we already know over shots of things. Openly practice waterbending. How dare they? No, this is cool. Sure. Hey, and that score again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I... It I, I work together with that shot very well. Now, and then the reveal of this, uh, the Northern Water Tribe. Devendra, yeah. you're actually big on the on the cinematography of this film. You, you yeah. think it looks pretty good. I, I, I have he, an issue... He has a good visual sense, and he's great with wide shots and great with long takes. I have an issue with the way that this movie just kind of shoots everyone in the same light. You know, what I think is interesting about Lord of the Rings and the films that I like the most, which you rarely see in Hollywood, put people in different types of light, depending on their situations. If anyone saw Skyfall this year, um, that's a movie where people can be draped in shadow or be covered in blue light. And the environments really speak to what's happening and the light really speaks to it sun here but that's about it yeah everyone's kind of evenly shot and especially where everything in this uh in the northern water temple is blue it just looks muddy to me i feel like they could have if they had more time to spend with it and if it didn't look like such a sound stage why is there voice over here you're (laughs) showing us oh well because they couldn't waste the time actually introducing people and explaining things because so they wanted it to be with Sychel Gabriel yeah. and Aang did this thing you're watching him do. I do have a feeling that this, this movie cool, was chopped down quite a bit. Like uh, Shyamalan may have been forced to make it as close to 90 minutes as possible. I agree. And that that explains why Kyoshi Warriors were cut out and a lot of other things. My my guess is that, and I, I kind of mentioned this earlier that. You know, in Hollywood, you take your movie, and if you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, as this film does, with a lot of power producers, it's going to get tested. People are going to see it way in advance, and you're going to get comments. And I think what happened with this movie is that people who don't know Airbender 
or even yeah, people who don't know Airbender got lost. They probably saw there was a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that Shyamalan loved from the movie that made it into this like two two fifteen cut, and they were like, "What am I watching here?" There's no explanation for anything, and it got chopped to bits. So now it's not only does it not service fans, <laughs> it makes no sense even more because it's just this chopped up mess. This guy should have been Billy Connolly. <laughs> if they got him for a series of unfortunate events, they could have gotten him for this. This is a beautiful shot. That doesn't have anything in it but a voice. <laughs> <laughs> There's really no sense of geography in this film, which I find disappointing. And it's something that I was disappointed by in The Hobbit and, um, you know, why I think Lord of the Rings is magnificent. I feel like they go on a journey and I know where they are on the map the whole time. Here I have absolutely no idea. Well, I mean, but doesn't it help that The Hobbit retreads the same ground as Fellowship of the Ring? True, which is probably why I give it a bigger pass. But, point being, they do show you maps in that series, which would be very helpful here. They show you one map, you're kind, you kind of see the, which is more of a callback to the animated show's map, that sort of thing. But uh, nothing, nothing to give you a sense of geography, which I think is important in these kind of sprawling fantasy films. It's a throwaway moment, but it's important. Oh, Billy Connolly, teach them how to bend some water. <laughs> I mean, I think that man just as a British act, British. I don't think he's British. I think your Billy Connolly love has. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's, that's Master what I'm saying. Paku. I'm saying Br- he's from Billy Iowa. Connolly, he owns that facial hairstyle. Francis so. Ginnon is from Iowa. Oh. Um, you know, this moment kind of speaks for me to what we were saying about Miyazaki and bringing a live-action Miyazaki to life. It's about the spirituality. It's about mm-hmm. being in touch with nature and that's what bending is and i think they get that really right in the show and why it always works you know he he is a spiritual individual he's connected and here they just say that they are and they say the importance of the elements in uh relation to benders but you don't feel it like you don't feel them in an environment that feels organic like this is a stage you can tell and i think being organic this needed to be shot in a real place like Uh go out in the middle that's what I love about um, Batman Begins, that scene with mm-hmm. uh, where Descartes is training Bruce Wayne in the middle of this Icelandic vista. It feels real, and it feels intense, and here, nothing like that. They also interact with their environments in right. those movies, whereas here, they, and the excuse, I suppose, would be that Bending is interacting with their environment, but that's CG, so that's just American Billy Connolly and uh, Noah Taekwondo master making lots of eye movements. Well, I think that's why the scene uh, that you really liked, Avenger, where Iroh kind of puts the objects in front of him feels mm-hmm. better because it's like, this is a real rock. This is a real yeah, candle. Yeah. And, you, and I think some of these bending scenes could have been practical or at least enhanced by practical effects. Like you could blow mm-hmm. snow in a direction and kind of meld it with CG. Um, Or maybe I'm crazy, Dave. You were the animation expert. (laughs) Well, the problem with that is that you're just throwing a whole bunch of particles into a clean space that you would otherwise be able to comp whatever you wanted to into that. And so then you have to deal with those particles, Uh, especially in a 3D movie. That is the last thing that I guarantee you anybody was telling him to do. Well, you don't. 
would you have to shoot um, actual snow blowing on set? Like you would have that effect, then you would there's add some, the CG, some, like, and then you would add like at the scene right now. That's true. Right, but uh, what I'm saying is that the upconversion process, where it existed now, um, is can't take those particles and make them into the 3D environment. You know what this needed? Mm-hmm. This this movie needed Douglas Trumbull uh, <laughs> doing liquid effect. Douglas Trumbull, if you don't know, did effects for 2001: A Space Odyssey, yeah, yeah. and he's very much into like using liquids and shooting them practically to create effects in in movies. And we should just yeah. I or think talk you to could Aronofsky and what he did with yeah, the Yeah. Exa- exactly. The fountain <laughs> should have been you the You know what? I I hear you. I hear you Matt, but uh, I have fewer issues with the special effects in this movie than I do with everything. Else. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it's like the dialogue, the the actual script. I'm distracting myself plotted. with other problems. Yeah. We got bigger problems to fight here. Who was the guy that did the uh cloud rhinoceros and james and the giant peach <laughs> get that, that guy that always really impressed me oh uh, look at this little romance forming that's not really treated very well unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna die soon you know guys oh spoiler alert spoiler <laughs> alert it's a sami that's true yeah I guess they liked her. I guess Brian and Michael liked her enough that uh, they needed to throw her a bone. That's kind of a spark of life, you know. Just She seems like she is one of the few people that kind of has an idea of how to fit into her role in this movie. So She acts her age, I think, is important. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Seychelles Gabriel. One of, the, one of the things, you know, I think Harry Potter was very good about, okay, we're going to have a grand adventure, uh, uh-huh. but, like, these are kids, you know, and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone... You feel that they are 12 years old running through this castle and having an amazing time. Like, they're seeing the world and they're, you know, when Katara starts learning waterbending in this film, and that should be an, an amazing moment. Because at the beginning, she doesn't really know how to do it. All of a sudden, she does, and you don't really get the sense, like, here, like, stop acting like weirdos. This is fun, right? <laughs> yeah, in terms of training sequences, it falls below... Uh, the only thing that's a more despicable use of... Uh, like what otherwise should be cool training is that scene in what is it the Clone Wars where they happen upon Yoda training the kids with the lightsabers. <laughs> that hey, was no, that no. was egregious. You mean? Hey, no. uh, I mean that was just like a look. If you're going to show kids training with lightsabers, like do it at least. <laughs> yeah, they were all just kind of standing around there with their helmets on, and they could have used it. I love the Clone Wars, by the way. At some point, uh, you you mean the, the TV show? No, Attack of the Clones is what I mean. You mean, like, I haven't seen Clone Wars. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You like Attack of the Clones? I love Attack of the Clones. And we're watching The but Last it, Airbender and, and... Because, you know, that movie still has a heart and a pulse to it, even though the dialogue is terrible. The action is fantastic. Like, you can still make a bad movie that's eminently watchable, and that's what Attack of the Clones is for me. This one is just like, there's nothing. There's... Oh, wait, Actually, on. this is a very good scene. When you if start Asif seeing Mondi the Ash. never knew what fog was i'm surprised ua never seen ash before especially after she's in the middle of a hundred year war with the fire nation Come they on. also burn fire torches yeah i do like the ash bit that was kind of nice. that's that's a nice visual cue but it's interesting to me that you can enjoy attack of the clones so much that all the exactly. mistreatment there 
still works for you because you think the action is solid? It's, it's not like I'm being a snob here in terms of genre or anything. Like I can understand where Attack the Clones goes wrong, but it's still an enjoyable movie for me. I think the action is fantastic. There's some really there's some really great set pieces I just really love in that movie. And uh it's it's kind of just a lot of fun to watch. This one there's nothing. There's really nothing to hang your hat right. on, really. I mean, I think that way about Phantom Menace. Um, like, I can get down with pod racing. Oh, now, That's now a fun... Crazy talk. What? Now, Attack of the Clones over over yes. Phantom Menace? Yeah. Wow. Because Phantom Menace is like this movie. It is a long slog leading to nowhere wow. about nothing. Nothing. <laughs> well, I, I think you both are crazy, and I only own or right. own I feel like, well, I feel like the perfect uh, prequels for Star Wars would have been like combining Episode One and Two with all the action, and that's it. Hmm. And then do like you know a third movie somehow. This was like cold open was space fight against the Trade Federation. Exactly. No dialogue, just like all the action beats leading up to Revenge of the Sith. I do feel like this movie is missing its real money shot. Would you agree with that? That I feel like towards the end, um, there's that shot of the giant waves that I'll point out against the... Uh, I think when Ang goes into... Uh, but it's not thrilling. It's grand, but like yeah. what Phantom Menace has is the duel with Darth Maul. Yeah, but that's like after so long. It's well, after that race that goes on forever and did nothing for me. Would you yeah. rather them have wa- water keiju like the series does? <laughs> Yes, actually, that's one of uh, we'll get there. But that's one of my biggest disappointments. I needed something either really insane, like that, or I needed to see Fury. I don't think I see Fury out of Ang at any point. Like, yeah, he escapes the the ships and he can run on walls every so often. But this movie needed that scene, like a crazy crouching tire moment too. Mm-hmm. Like, we we know the conceit of the movie, oh, but here's it pushed cake. to ten. <laughs> You're way too obsessed with this fish. <laughs> The idea of fish punching is pretty great. Lemur bat like growls. There's so many, there's so few family epic fantasy entertainment movies mm-hmm. that revolve around punching a fish to death <laughs> that I feel like we need to ha- really hang on to the ones that we have. Did you guys ever see The Golden Compass? Yes. <laughs> I, no. I remember that one because the animal effects in that were really good. And we really, that's that's kind of a shame that that movie was such a disaster otherwise. Well, I, I did see the I first think, book. They had the daemons, right, that followed them around? Yeah, or? which I yeah. thought that was very well done. I think that movie at least has more of a sense of the world. Like, let yes. me, let let the environments that are warm and soft and at the school, um, you know, they emanate that. And then when they go to Antarctica or whatever, that that feels like a different place and like that they're actually there in that place here like look at this stage that they're on <laughs> they've walked on to from lot a to lot b where this pond is and it just doesn't look real ear here that was for that was for the look people at his little ear fuzz <laughs> we all have ear fuzz, by the way. So don't. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm gonna terrifying. go shave my ear fuzz after this podcast. Was that in 3D when we? I don't. I forget now. <laughs> I I don't know. I was too busy shaking my head throughout while the first time I saw this movie. Now, miraculously, um, she's actually gonna be a star soon. She's isn't uh, Nicola Peltz gonna be in Transformers Four, or is that a still rumor stage? I have no clue. I believe it. I believe that's the case. So she's all grown up now. Well, I mean, she looks it. If you guys want to, <laughs> that's sick, Dave. Anyway, yeah, it's still in the rumor stage, but Michael Bay is really bad at 
not living up to rumors, so I, th- I think it's pretty safe. I don't know why it's not called Transformers with the letter, <laughs> the number four in it in the middle yet. Oh, you shut up. It probably will be. I uh. know. that uh, They haven't started printing posters yet except for that one tease, which is the... <laughs> as soon as they do, it's going to change. Dev Patel, you are a great villain. He, I like his expression here. All right. Again, this is so slow. Like, what we love... And, you know, go back to any of the Legend of Core episodes. I think of their car chases or their or their mm-hmm. fighting battles or, you know, even referencing the older show. Th- those battles... Look afraid, kid. They're flailing yes. and they're throwing <laughs> elements. Well, Korra's battles were definitely a lot more energetic than uh, the original series. So I feel like if you're going with the pace of the original series, this is... They slow it down because maybe they just... That's what Shyamalan's trying to point out. It's like, look at this! It's yeah. so pretty, but it didn't. That didn't take me out of the movie as much as other things. Oh yeah, lizard creatures. You know what Boy, this movie didn't this. have enough of? Is this chat weird animals? Yeah, Ooh. that's true. Is this a? This is Helm Steep. This is Helm Steep right here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, with the American in his dreams, hooting. <laughs> it the is the same framing as the uh, Battle of Helm Steep. They got donkey lips right there from uh, Salute Your Shorts. No, There's not even any call and response. It's like that is the least (laughs) aggressive battle cry ever. It's just one guy going, This is the point in the movie where you'd have some tough guy saying like, This is the day we fight! Yeah, they don't have that guy. (laughs) We have to save the spirit fish, everyone! It probably should be Aang. But, you know. Right, I'm the Avatar. I'm here to inspire you. Like milk. (laughs) I'm the Avatar. Here, uh, this this fight scene actually, I'm glad that Shyamalan decided to um, have the Firebenders need f- to f- have a fire source. Like, I'm glad sure. that they have to throw fireballs into the middle of the battle to be able to shoot fire at other people. Oh my God, lizards! <laughs> lizards are awesome, but like these like, are the dobacks from Star Wars. He just <laughs> Shyamalan is obsessed with Star Wars. Who not is obs- come on? Not obsessed enough with Star Wars. What is going on here? Drill hats. <laughs> Even <laughs> like the most perfect sperm. Oh my god! <laughs> it sure was a mistake building a whole city out of ice. <laughs> I think not that was a fire a, nation. A Bible lesson. <laughs> Sokka, you're in this movie. It's oh. Aang, lady. Aang. <laughs> you know it's bad when the line is, he took Aang again. <laughs> you know, already <laughs> happened in the movie. <laughs> We're doubling back. You remember that one part of the movie that wasn't connected to the rest of the plot? It's happened again. Now it's happening. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that with 30 minutes left to go, we're kind of in the grand finale. Well, that's the interesting thing, is by like taking out like the Kyoshi Warriors, he really kind of hobbled the episodic feeling I guess he could have gone for, because we get like one episode. There's also, there's no feeling of a journey here. Right. Like, I didn't feel like I went from the Southern Water Tribe now to the Northern Water Tribe. And- it's tough because you do, you start in mm-hmm. a, a Water Tribe with ice, and then you have to go back to one. And you want to see the rest of the world, but it really doesn't make, it doesn't allow you to, I guess, if you're following strictly... How the you get TV two pissed. stops, two stops along the way. Yeah. <laughs> one air, one earth. You know how this works. 
I also Four think hours. if you promise a dragon in a movie that the dragon has to be shown at some point. <laughs> um, well, The Hobbit would disagree with you. Oh. Well, that is t- that's a tease for a sequel. This, so is this, I would imagine. Nuh-uh. I feel like, you know what, the more I think about it, the more The Hobbit relates to this movie than I would like. And I would actually <laughs> wasn't the biggest fan of The Hobbit, so. Really? I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I really dislike The Hobbit. And I, on top of the 48 FPS crap. But, yeah. here's, here's I guess that's thing. my dragon money shot right there. Is that <laughs> I enjoy the Hobbit mythology enough that just seeing it is like, oh, good, someone cared enough to realize it. Wait, then why <laughs> do you not appreciate I... this movie for that? In some because ways? they're not realizing anything that I wanted to see realized. <laughs> they're making up their own what they thought it was. So if this movie were three hours long and gave you everything, feel yeah, like- or even if they just you know if they just committed to giving me exactly what it was like here's you know roku and here's the stuff i don't know guys i do think by not having roku in the movie you misunderstand what being the avatar is about we don't really even at this point we don't know yeah like what what yeah is the lineage about why is it important and the way they talk about like the reincarnation makes it more sound like Aang's immortal and less like there's this huge tradition yeah. that's right. based off of rotating different vendors. I just, yeah. It's especially disappointing because the, the mythology is so rich and there's so much you can do and play with uh-huh. and you don't get any of that. Yeah, which is this movie's biggest failure is world building uh, just because it was all there for him. Devendra likes this difficult. part. Oh, this part's awesome. Yeah, the zooming. I actually do like the zooming. It's like, let's do this thing, even though this is... Look at this old man fight. That actor's not even trying. Yeah, he's just... He's he's doing the wave. He's at a fish concert. (laughs) Uh. He's at the punching fish concert. (laughs) Oh! Asif Manvi is a Bond villain at some point. What? Not in, not in this Bond tradition that we're currently in. <laughs> I plan to blow up the moon. Yeah, he's yeah. Doctor like, Evil. He's like a great Doctor Evil. I'm I'm going to punch the moon to death. <laughs> wow, how did Z- Zuko moon get fooled by that puncher. trick? Wow, wow. Really, really, Zuko? he's the man. Oh, oh, not that way. Maybe he's... Is he the other way? No. no. Did I look to the right? It's funny you make that joke because originally those lines were in the movie. They finally (laughs) cut dialogue out. Now this is fun. This is good. This is intense. Yeah, except it's a really... It's a, you know, older guy fighting a really young kid. So it looks... It doesn't look... I feel like in the series it looked a little more balanced. You know, who is younger? Was there a moment like that in? Oh, you know Look, what was I'm really him now, like a baby. You know what was really good? This movie needed to, and I think that GI Joe came after it. When did GI uh-huh. Joe come out? Because that has a great kid on kid fight that wasn't afraid to like have two kids take oh, yeah, knives pretty, to each other, and that yeah, was intense. That was just the best part of that movie. Um, and you know this that scene. Uh, know, just now with Zuko. Different different podcasts. That fight scene with Zuko and Aang, it, rem- it makes me start thinking when we G. see G. Ender's G. Game this year G. and G. how G. scared G. I am of that. You're a bender. Are you guys Ender's, Ender's Game fans? Yeah, but that yeah. 
that really depends on how if they could make the battle room stuff as well. That's what I, I can't be afraid of anything. That's cool. Yeah, that ice thing is cool. I'm See, still holding out hope for Ender's Game, but man. Oh man, she looks I, terrible. Uh, I have complicated feelings about Orson Scott Card that I probably can't talk about on the show. It yet. gets a little political. No, I oh, know yeah. how you feel. He is crazy. We'll have to we'll put that aside. <laughs> yeah, that's a, once again another podcast. But I, Asa Butterfield is somebody that could have been uh, now that we're talking about it. Yeah. I really liked him. I saw Hugo again. He was so great. He's Couldn't... at least able to look devastated on command. Whether or not that is, you know, what you thought was a strong part of his performance. Or Don't not. you feel like they could have hired Noah Ringer as the stunt guy for this movie? I feel like yes. in any normal production, that's what would have happened. That you get a great kid actor, like discover someone Haley Joel Osment level, like this kid is amazing, and then you get Noah Ringer to just do the the stunts and put yeah. his face on the Noah Ringer. <laughs> You don't even see enough action from Aang in this movie that they they could have just trained a kid. He just stands there and waves his hands around. So you didn't really need to get one of uh, the country's martial arts champions. Texas's Taekwondo champion, no (laughs) ringer. He never even kicks in this movie. Christopher Nolan would be very proud of this group scene. Look at all the extras fighting. (laughs) I bet there's a quote out there where M. Night compares this moment to David Lean filmmaking. (laughs) This is like my Lawrence of Arabia. Can't you see all the money we spent? Oh, yes. Appa, come to the rescue. Do something, goddammit. We don't see that much Appa in this movie. Not enough, no. there, there's never, like, a connection moment between Aang and, and Appa, really, is there? Or anything. Like, feed him an apple. Jeez. Or at there's least, no, you know, show yeah. them Some flying hay. on him and how long they've been traveling. So we feel like we've been traveling. It's all way too matter-of-fact. Like, here's a flying bison. Okay, that's it. All right, shit's about to go down. Let's do it. Is there a is there a fantasy movie that has good friendship in it to you, or, or even uh, a kids movie that has like boy and his dog relationships that really work? Uh, I'm trying to think of these work for me. Princess Bride. Hmm. You know what? One of the relationships I really liked, even though it was sort of a comic relationship, is uh, in Bolt. The best thing in Bolt is the relationship between Bolt and that hamster <laughs> that's in like a little ball. I do like I do like Bolt, yeah. Because Bolt. Bolt doesn't really like the hamster, but the hamster is just like game for anything and will like die for Bolt. <laughs> it's great. Wait, wait, wait. Dave, this oh, is your moment. Oh, oh my God. I caught it, guys. I caught it. I caught it. I'm going to punch the moon. Punch the moon to death. Vulnerable to punching. This Whatever. is all the drama classes Asif Manvi has ever taken. It all it all built to this. Four years of the Daily Show has led to this. I will punch a bag filled with a robot fish. <laughs> oh, so uh, so M Night, we got the we got the one with the dagger. Is there? A- can I go back Aww. to my trailer? No, we're going to do one with a punching. Just, just one, <laughs> just in case. Just punch it to death. This is, this is Sean Taub's moment. This is, this is great Sean Taub. Although, I, I do kind of wish they were just like, you know, you're so close. Just, just stop him. Do something. Do it. <laughs> do it. Ah. <sighs> oh. Wait, I just saw a knife. Did you guys see yeah, that? Yeah, definitely uses a knife. 
Yeah, there's an. I, I mean, but Dave, I am sorely. <laughs> no, no. We, I mean, we can't rewind, but you rewind and watch it again. There's a, there's a sound that there's knife. a knife that goes through that bag, but the knife does not go through that bag. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Great shot. See, there we go. Yes. There's a there's a nice pulpy moment. That, yeah. That's like straight out of a Tarantino movie. I know. Too I late. Like, that was Kill Bill. Yeah. This is interesting, but I don't understand why he's really doing this. Because he is pissed. Oh, he's making fire out of nothing. That makes sense. Oh, there we go. So that's how we could get to the third movie of this trilogy without making problems for ourselves. (laughs) I've established this (laughs) thing. I'm going to... Sorry, I killed that fish, man. Can you do that effect? Is that like wax over the hand and lighting the hand on fire? I mean, I did... I'm thinking back to my stuntman. You can do it. I'm not sure if they did do it. Oh, fish. The other fish is like, you killed my friend. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess they didn't do that. Finally, a different color that's not blue or orange. I'm sorry to ruin uh, every movie and movie poster for people right now, <laughs> but blue, orange. Just think about that every time you look at something. Everything is blue and orange. People love it. So what has Aang been doing this whole time? Go Broncos. Wasn't he meditating? <laughs> no, he was fighting um, Zuko, and now he had to put Zuko on ice, and now he's here. But he's not helping anyone. No, no. He jumped in and blew some people away, and then we cut back to Zuko, and then we cut back to him. Is there something he could be doing right now? Crying? He's doing it. (laughs) She's a good actress. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't she... Wait, the Moon Spirit's her father? No, they gave her life, remember? She almost died as a child. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's interesting that Nicola Pelt seems to be the one who has leveraged this movie into a longer career. And, um... And, and she has not. Sideshow Gabriel? She's in a... She's in a, she's in a show. Oh, yeah, she's in the... the she's Alien in Falling Skies. Uh, Falling Skies. Yeah. And in Korra. Do people watch that? Well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, people I do watch Korra. She was a very popular draw at this past year's Comic Con, also because she's adorable. <laughs> oh, she was in the Spirit. Yikes! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Miller's The Spirit. That that movie maybe is worse than this one. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think people reference this movie as one of the worst movies of the last decade, which is unfortunate. Well, uh, I mean, also because it trashes something very good. And I think that that is ultimately more, that's worse than just being a bad movie. Or is this an example of, like, Hollywood franchise making gone horribly wrong? Is that where people get schadenfreude satisfaction about seeing Airbender? Like, I, I hated to be the guy who wanted to defend Airbender to the very moment of release. You know, a lot of people had sure. made their minds up about it. And I'm like, no, you need to watch the show. You that, need to watch the show. Too. Faith, that was me, too. That was me, too. I was like, guys, there, there's a chance. This could be good. Shyamalan. Uh, See, yeah, I think it is. I think it's like even now that we're in such a heavily franchised period of time, these movies can exist that have no thread of story and no characters <laughs> because there's someone being like, well, this franchise is really successful, so we're just going to trust it. Like, it used to be you had to make, you know, your own movies with stuff yeah. and sell it to somebody before they let you shoot it. I, li- I liked uh, Joss Whedon's little comment there. <laughs> I'll be honest here. Jumper. <laughs> Jumper, yes. I like Jumper. It was okay, but meaningful. That was in another podcast called the Q&A, his Avengers yeah. uh, questionnaire, if you guys want to figure that Jumper out. Is the type, Jumper is the type of movie that 
kind of I, I mean I get giddy seeing uh, unique no world building in a film you know like there is no is it based on a book or is it based yeah, on it's something based on a book oh, yeah, it's based okay. on a, like a kids book series well I was completely unaware of it so I think that excited me about it that it well just, my girlfriend's the moon fresh. now yeah <laughs> it's tough it's tough man this whole battle let me down I think Davinger if you think this is exciting then you're crazy no I didn't I didn't defend any of this I'm going to put words in your mouth right now and say that you did. <laughs> I mean, and that wasn't really much of a battle, although now we're getting up to a let's, let's be fair, comparing against the rest of the series. <laughs> he just, the just did a Count Dracula. <laughs> he just did Max von Schreck. Uh, oh, you're right. He is doing it. Why? He's a vampire. <laughs> you want to know Mr. Philly do this at some point. You are no match for my Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I wonder if Dev Patel will ever get another franchise. <laughs> Mark oh, my words. Five to seven years from now, Dev Patel, come back. He's in like a Bourne-style action movie. He could do I, it. I would love to see that. I do like the guy. I like him in the newsroom, even though everybody loves to hate the newsroom. I have a lot of fun with that show. Oh, my God. Yeah. You see how you led with the bottom Such force there. there. Blocked by a single move by Iroh. Yeah. And Knight's like, hold it, hold it, there's fire <laughs> around you, hold it. Now say your line. Shantab's eyes tell like the whole story. And Asif Manvis are just like, what am I doing in this movie? What face do I make now? Props to Dev Patel in that exact in that moment. He looks like a kid, which he is. I mean, he's a young guy, and like that is a, that is a great dramatic moment. He's in this a twenty-something. That is a gem. A young guy, right? I think he's playing eighteen. He was very vulnerable in that moment. Uh, props to him. I love this because it's like, who are these dudes? Why do they get the climactic battle? <laughs> Let's just. What sense does this make? Yeah, but this is kind of cool. I don't know. Uh, no, this doesn't make any sense. No, no. At least have, like... Have uh, Aang do something. How did... How'd that happen on the series side? Zhao? I thought Aang yeah. and Zhao had a fight. Well, I'm going to look this up, because it's going <laughs> to drive me crazy We're watching now. him drown right now, Mike. Watching him drown in the kids' movie. Yikes. Get when you punch the moon, guys. What are the most vicious deaths in kids' movies that you've ever <laughs> they seen? They just walk away. Because that, that is pretty vicious. Here. <laughs> R- ranking in the most vicious deaths in kids' movies for me, have you ever seen um, Disney's Tarzan? Uh, the animated one? Yeah. At the end, yeah. the hunter guy slips off a tree. His, <laughs> his neck gets caught in a vine, and y- okay. you see him hanging from the tree in, in silhouette. I do like this whole <laughs> angst scene, because it does keep going... Like, this is actually Noah Ringer doing cool stuff. And we see it, even though it's zooming all over the place. This is why you didn't hire Asa Butterfeld. Eh, yeah. For this moment. For that. So he could be running upstairs. Dramatically, though. On wires, but... He doesn't need wires, right? He's a Taekwondo champion. <laughs> That's true. He can, he can leap three stairs at once because he has a black belt. This is the best scene for, like, scope in this film. Too bad it didn't really go anywhere either. I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, oh, there's a whole world behind those ships. Yeah. Like, show me them taking off from the fire temp or the fire nation and, like, sailing to here. The... Such a small movie. It's weird to think that the movie 
seems to be restricted in scope and production value when something like Lord of the Rings or, uh, I don't know, we were talking about Star Wars and uh, any big, mm-hmm. big blockbuster seems to have... Or the Transformers movies. You know, Michael Bay was given a boatload of money to make that first Transformers sure. movie, and it looks big. Why doesn't this movie look big? it has a big scope. Yeah. Why, what, what, what happened? Is there too much else that they have to spend money in that they can't go big with it? I mean, there must... Okay, Zhao was killed by the fish cage you. Um, <laughs> oh. So essentially what happened to him on screen... But it was still Aang. him, but inside Aang. Okay. It, it was still Aang leashing, unleashing uh, a brutal force. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, it started to pull him away, and uh, Zuko offered to help him, and Zhao decided instead to yeah. drown. This has been the score, by the way, guys. This is good stuff. Come on. It's fine. It's We've heard James Newton Howard do uh, kind of do worse, so it works. And here's where we could have had Fish Keiju. Yep. But instead, we get Taekwondo Master of Texas. I kind of just want to listen to the score again and not see the movie ever again. <laughs> true, true statement. I think James Newton Howard's score for Green Lantern is better than The Last Airbender. <laughs> Ooh. That's <laughs> fighting words. I don't even remember that score. He, he's, he is not much of a big your, action guy, big, honestly. Big special effects shot. Yeah, Avatar State, which once again should be more terrifying than it is here. It does. I like the way it's framed, like through the water here. That's a really interesting way of doing it. And this this comparison, the juxtaposition of Tiny Ang, Tiny Ang. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the water. Would everyone really stop fighting? All, they're all color corrected the same way. Yeah. So right. It looks like. It's growing hair. The wall's growing hair out oh, of it. Oh, by the way, you want to talk about James Newton Howard disappointment? Born Legacy, Matt. What happened there? That's true. He, he's not a big action guy, but his yeah. scores for other Shyamalan films, even the terrible ones, like Lady in the Water, is a beautiful score. Yeah, this I th- I still think this is a beautiful score. This whole track, it really does convey something that even the movie doesn't. It tells you the story. Right. This is triumphant. This is a triumphant moment for Aang. That's a pretty good shot. Like, yeah, I'm probably here. This is probably not good for fire people. Put your hands above your heads. It'll shield you somehow. Yeah, this is like the atomic bomb in the 1950s. All right, everyone go under a chair. Oh, the humanity. Look, it's (laughs) dripping. Canoe faster, boy. This is why I, I still like the special effects in this movie for shots like this. Like, I think it gets the big painterly yes. shots done very well. But, like, and why doesn't the rest of the of movie fr- feel that way? Because he's not a... I don't think he's big on words. He's not big on, like, ideas. He's big on visuals, in a way. Which would have been perfect yeah, for the movie. That script. Oh. <laughs> uh. Oi. Yeah, Fish Cage would have been awesome. Now I want to see Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that. That'll be the cartoon come to life. I hope so. I've been telling people that if it is if it lives up just to live action Power Rangers, like that's the reason I watched Power Rangers in the first oh, place. So that's like, that's what I'm looking for. Sort of, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd like it to be better, but it, also it doesn't have like live action Evangelion too, which I cannot cannot freaking wait to see. Doesn't, live action Gundam? Like, come on, we can do it now. Do, doesn't he destroy more stuff in the show? 
Doesn't the monster... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He wrecks everything. That really needed to happen just now. Here, it was was not scary. It was more like, okay, he learned something, I guess. Why didn't the wave crash onto the boats or something? I don't... Do you, You know what this feels like? Do you guys watch... Final Fantasy, the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Spirits Gaia within just saves everything all at the, <laughs> at the end. They're like, oh wait, we could just trust in the Earth Force, and then there's I a whole bunch of glowing that. and things are fine. That's what this oh, feels like. I was so excited for sad. Spirits Within, and oh, yeah. I saw it in theaters, and I st- I don't remember a moment oh, in it. Man. I remember the like soldiers f- jumping off of something high and landing in that gel. When they were like invisible glow bugs or yeah. something. I don't know. All I remember is that there was way too much talking in that movie. <laughs> I remember the last words of that movie. It's warm. Why are the fi- why is the Fire Nation bowing to him? Cuz he totally whipped them. I don't know. He is the avatar. He just got elected avatar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sokka's in this movie. But not not in this frame anymore. So, okay, this revelation that he's having now that he needs to be the Avatar is supposed to be the revelation he has at the Air Temple. Yeah. Right. But instead, it's the end of the first movie. Well, yeah, have the revelation that you have a serious, like, that you have a weight on your shoulders, and then by this moment, show that you can fulfill that destiny. And what the hell is this pose? (laughs) That's the Avatar. I I guess I accept your... uh, He can't hold his balance. Stay tuned no, for next like, movie. The look that Shyamalan made him choose was like uncertainty. Now the wait a second. Fan service. Yep. This 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 is when I threw my hands up in the air and said, <laughs> "Stop doing this to me because I know that the next chapter is not coming. I know you book mean, 2 is not around the corner." Hey man, it may still happen and you will hate it. You really think there's a chance? It made money. But not enough money, and this was this is now going to be three years ago within that, you know. By the way, this is uh, the girl from Towelhead, just in this movie for five seconds. Which is actually a, a very good film. That is a great and creepy movie. Aaron Eckhart, right? Yeah, and she is great in it. Yeah. And, uh, and and uh, Ball, right? Or what's his name? Alan Ball? Alan Ball, directed, yeah. yeah. From uh, True Blood. And... Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, as crazy as Ula. <laughs> Who will eventually learn more about in this year's Dark Horse comic event. The search. So, I wonder how much she got paid for this. It's like... <laughs> Day right. <laughs> you she's mean, still does indie. she still have a contract somewhere that says she's on board for two more movies? <laughs> Look, he's doing his um, his Bond opening, but backwards, so now it's going to be at the this end of the This is why movie. we hired... Moon Puncher! <laughs> wow, wow, wow. So is this uh, movie a disaster? This yes. movie is a disaster, and it breaks my heart again. Like, I, I kind of wanted to come into talking about this and have a revelation by the end that maybe we're a little too hard on it as no, fans. No, no, not at all. Um, it's uh, it's uh, sort of reminds me, too, of uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Did you guys ever see that? Yes, yes. which I actually like. I sort of adore that movie because it is a glorious mess, and it's not like it doesn't have too much to destroy in terms of, like, an older uh, mythology or anything. But that's sort of like a way you can make a movie like this. It's not great, but at least watchable. This yeah. movie is even watchable. Well, like I think that movie is very detailed in a in a in a yeah. interesting it way. It's expanding on the mythology and kind of trickling in little bits and and, and making the world feel very vivid. Here, it's it does not feel that way because uh, Vin Diesel is a geek. He's a D and D geek. He's a role playing geek. And really, 
it's ba- yeah he's oh i can send you some clips it's great it, i also love the fact that vin diesel is a total dork that makes me love him all the more but yeah that movie is basically a you know a movie version of a live action role-playing game do you think that Shyamalan is that way do you i mean is that a problem oh, here that he thing. is like, not geeky he, enough no. for this movie he doesn't get maybe some of the geeky elements. I know he's a fan of sci-fi. I know he likes certain things. He certainly loves um, martial arts movies. He's talked about that quite a bit, but not in the sort of like world bending, world right. building. I feel like he name drops Miyazaki because Frank Marshall, who produced this film, produces the American versions, the the American dubs of those films. And I yeah. bet you he was introduced to Miyazaki through Marshall, being like, "Here's what we think this film should be." Could be. Well, he was saying in interviews that like he wanted to, you know, take this subject matter and treat it like, you know, it was real and whatever. And that's like not the attitude that good genre filmmaking comes out of um, sometimes. Right. Christopher Nolan switched that. But up until that happened, well, it's nobody thought that could work because you end up with stuff like this. Right. Batman can take place in the real world because he's a real person. If you want to make your movie more real then it has to be re- have a reality to the fantasy world. It can't just be our world in a fantasy place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or they... I mean, this this movie really goes wrong when it decides not to explain the status quo at the beginning of the film and just sort of shoves it into us. So we're learning about who the characters are as the action's progressing forward. And it's just, there's no reason to do that and do this sort of like half-assed you know scrolling text at the beginning hmm. because it negates the need for the scrolling text to be there at all you know it's like i don't th- i was told nothing in that scrolling text i wasn't then again told in dialogue yeah. or saw yeah. happen or there'd be long scenes like the one where they just got the water scroll and we were talking about something else over it but the dialogue the voice over there is literally describing what you're seeing it's like ang was having difficulty and i was picking up and sokka was navigating and thought we were being followed and as she's saying thought we were being followed he looks up and he sees a smokestack and i'm like you are doing this fine without telling us why couldn't that more of that like if we're going to have so much telling why couldn't the telling be stuff that i wanted to know well that's why i give the actors even the young people who seem like they're mishandling the performances. I give them a little more credit because I yeah. don't think the script is doing them any justice. Uh, I think that's benefit of the doubt and not credit. Well, you know, did you see <laughs> Noah Ringer in Cowboys and Aliens? He's okay in that movie. He can actually He do was it. actually in that? Oh, man, I forgot. Yeah, totally that was his forgot. only other credit, I but think. But you know what? I forgot everything else about that movie, so same deal. <laughs> this stuff's the best part. He's looking for... He has a dramatic arc in that film. He's he's getting yeah. Harrison Ford's knife and gun and wants to go kill some aliens. He's good. Me, uh, I'm looking through the interview I did with Shyamalan here. Um, let me read this one bit he said about doing... Uh, I guess about the race bending. He said... I'm pissed that anybody would say anything other than Bravo when looking at Airbender as a culturally diverse movie and insinuating that there's a correct Asian when Avatar is a Sanskrit word. Dude, I'm an appropriate Asian, so I count, okay? To say that when we make Airbender, which is the most culturally diverse tentpole movie of all time, about the most culturally diverse subject of all time, you look at the movie poster that has no one dev back to back and my name on it, it saddens me that there has to be a tiny group of people who have an agenda. That's kind (laughs) of sad. I think he's totally misrepresenting like what people are actually complaining about i brought up like the fact that you know in the show it definitely looked like they were different races and he was like well anime doesn't really depict typical races you know it's like they're all they all have big eyes so right i'm reading 
I'm reading this other interview with him, yeah. and he says, you know, I'm casting this entire movie in this colorblind way where everyone is represented. And the next line is, I even had one section of the Earth Kingdom as African American, which obviously isn't in the show. Yeah. And it's he, like, you're not colorblind. You're segmenting. That, too. that was his one agenda, to work them into the second movie. It's very strange. Well... Yeah. Also, in the tail end of all of this, when Vulture read some of the reviews to him, since he was not reading them, his yeah, response yeah. was, I don't know what to say to that stuff. I bring as much integrity to the table as humanly possible. It must be a language <laughs> thing in terms of a particular accent, a storytelling accent. I can only see it as a certain way, and I don't know how to think of it in another language. I think these are exactly the visions that are in my head, so I don't know how to adjust to it without being me. It would be yeah. ask, like asking a painter to change to a completely different style. <laughs> I don't know. I would ask I remember that interview. You know what I saw? So I interviewed him the day after I saw the movie, and I am so glad he didn't ask me what I thought of it. Cause Most awkward thing that can happen. In I don't know what I would have said. I I dodged that question. Directors have asked me that, and I just I, I'm like I'm here, aren't I? I, I would I would think about dodging it, but also this is the one time, right? That yeah. you meet the guy who has crushed your dreams oh to do gosh. a live action Last Airbender. What do you do? What do you do, sir? Um, well, well, you still think there's a sequel? Would Shyamalan take it on? Would you want that? Would you want him to do I, I mean, a second try? I, I'm just saying there's a chance of it. I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up happening at some point much cheaper, maybe, so it would look even worse. Um, but the kids are all so much older now. Like, if they were going to do it, they would have had to it do it. It could be like, a reboot. They, the they would movies. wait and try again before they sequelize this movie. Or they could do Korra. They could just yeah. do Korra I don't, at some point. Do you think they will? I mean, eventually, probably. Really? Why not? It's a, it's a, like it's right there. All the material's there to make a great movie. Um, it could be smaller, also, too. Yeah. I'm also hoping that, uh, you know what? I want animated movies in theaters yes. again so i really hope that there's a chance we'll see something well, i think like brian that. and michael have teased that 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 is yeah. something that they are working on and we will eventually get that from nickelodeon so our, I think our we'll, we'll, we'll get that from paramount it's very different yeah. because yeah. paramount opened that smaller animation studio since they lost some uh dreamworks but i, I think that we might have seen the last of Shyamalan on this franchise he's heading off to I develop agree. for tv yeah. Um, which and after after Earth or whatever, so it's not immediately on the horizon. And with the success of Korra being critically lauded this year, we're now in 2013, everybody. So we got to read a whole bunch of nice 2012 pieces about Korra. I would see them uh, pushing into animation and if it ever goes back to live action, not doing an adaptation, but right. just doing something in the world. Since they proved with Korra that they could play inside they of this could world yeah well i think that about wraps up our uh, commentary discussion on the m night Shyamalan's the last airbender guys why don't we uh say our goodbyes for this episode davindra who are sure. you <laughs> you can find me on twitter at twitter.com slash davindra i also podcast about movies and tv at slash film.com and i write about tech all day every day at venturebeat.com dave it's me, Dave Gonzalez. You spell that first part, DA7E. That's also my Twitter handle. And you can go to DA7E.com to be pointed in the direction of my writings and musings, including the Operation Kino Show podcast, the podcast about movies and pop culture, weekly at opkino.com with myself and Mr. Patches. And I am Matt Patches. I am the movies editor of Hollywood.com, so you can go there to read all sorts of nonsense. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Patches, P-A-T-C-H-E-S, Tumblr, mattpatches.tumblr.com, and I do Operation Kino with Dave7. Um, so until next time... Uh, I am the one who has captured you. <laughs> 